Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I have got a great guest in store for you guys. You're going to have to stick around. Make sure you hear all of the the wisdom that I know he has to share. Today, we've got Kenny Gray on the show. He is the founder of Great Media, and his team is passionate about helping small businesses find their one-of-a-kind message. He is here today to provide some insights on how to create unique, creative strategies that produce effective results to help scale revenues, boost brand awareness, and enhance the user experience while getting the highest ROI, which we're all, that's what we're all looking for, right? Kenny's ability to be able to utilize Facebook and other social media channels has proven to scale e-commerce businesses and Shopify stores alike. Kenny, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. What's going on, Andrew? Thanks for having me. And I really enjoyed the pun in the first sentence and the first couple words. Great guest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome, man. So I like to always kick things off with a bit of an icebreaker and uh, that's, that's how we'll get things started here. Okay, cool. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. So lately, I have found myself in the Pirates of the Caribbean world on TikTok, right? Like this run, this weird Pirates of the Caribbean being running TikToks. What is the most random TikTok worlds you've randomly found yourself in? So think food talk or dog talk. What are some of those random TikTok worlds that you found yourself in? Strangely Man, that's enough? funny, especially on TikTok when those things go viral. It's just like, why are all these girls doing this like drunk Johnny Depp running yeah, band exactly. thing? But uh, I watch every single one of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome, uh, man. man. So since my algorithm has updated since I've joined TikTok, I've gotten mixed with a, you know, you get hit with a lot of random things. Yes, absolutely. I thought one that was really funny was uh, people doing any type of work or just an activity listening to NBA Youngboy. Oh, yes. <laughs> so there's like NBA Youngboy Farmer. And whenever he's doing your, like any farm work, it's really aggressive and angry. Yeah. Just the way it was all put together. I thought it was just outrageous and those pretty are, funny. Those are great, man. Those are so great. It was me and my buddy, John, were talking about the Island Boys. And my girlfriend's like, what are the Island Boys? And we were like, come on. Like, they're, yeah. they're like TikTok sensations. What do you mean? And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, it's like, what is on your TikTok? Like, what do you yeah. see? And, you know, that's that's kind of the creative part about TikTok or just like the cool part is like, to some extent, the algorithms catered it a little bit different to everyone. And so we showed her them. They She looked them up and like obviously watched some of their videos. And then now her TikTok has started to like change into different oh, types no. of content that she sees. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to send you down that path. Yeah. She but, sounds um, like a better person than we are for yeah, the fact that she so even get hit with that content. It's like, oh, all right, you're probably, it's you're probably questionable. higher tier. <laughs> you're a questionable person. <laughs> I think her TikTok is primarily dogs because she sends me so many puppy videos. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. That's like my fiance. Oh, yeah. What is her favorite? She's got like a heavy kick on plants in the house. I think she counted nice. internally. Just in our house alone, she has like 39 living plants. Whoa. And they're all thriving. They're all doing great. Man, I am trying to have a green thumb, but it is not so green. Like I'm trying so hard to grow my own. Like so we did grow our own carrots and they came out pretty good. They didn't grow as big as they were supposed to. We did grow our own carrots. Now we're working on watermelon. Uh, cucumbers and zucchini peppers and tomatoes so those are all like little seedlings right now so i'm fingers crossed yeah we have a raised bed in the back as well and we do uh strawberries we have like rosemary oregano we have an amazing habanero plant but i don't even really like spices that much you're like yeah it grows so well but i don't even eat it (laughs) yeah it looks cool i guess and we give it to people apparently they're very hot but maybe we'll do it in like fajitas but a very light portion of it but the strawberries like your own grown strawberries are they're fire they're they taste yeah great. they i told that was like one of the first things i ever grew back when i had an apartment i made like a little patio apartment patio garden and i did strawberries and jalapenos and it was actually kind of funny because i grew them right next to each other and the, t- the strawberries actually got some of the heat oh yeah from the jalapeno i don't even know how it worked out like that but it did but they were so so good 
Let me ask you this as a part of our icebreaker. Who are some of your favorite TikTokers, whether it's business related or not? What are some of your favorite TikTok accounts? I'm gonna. I'll have to shield the public from some channels, but uh, yeah, exactly. I get hit with this one guy who just, it's honestly like a quick 30 seconds or 40 seconds of just like interesting things. And that's how he starts it every time. He's like, here's the interesting things of the day. And, you know, he's just picking things out of the world that it's just like you wouldn't normally see. It might be in tech. It might be in a different country. But there's really like no drive behind it, right? It's just like, well, this is like a liberal thing or this is what. No, it's just like these are cool things that humans are doing somewhere in the world or that is naturally happening. I forget his name right now. Of course, I have like, you know, educational ones where it's like tips and tricks here and there. Yeah. I don't really get hit with as many dance videos, thankfully, anymore. Thankfully, so I got that yeah. out of that algorithm. I'm like, oh, what's <laughs> going on with these high schoolers? I'm like, right, like why what are they this all about? so good at dancing these days? Yeah, I'm like, exactly. what we were doing. <laughs> It's like we had High School Musical out when we were kids, the movie, but like that wasn't really us living. And it's like the new kids living are like High School Musical in real life. It's oh, that's weird. actually a really funny reference. <laughs> they kind of yeah, are, right? <laughs> we were not. We were not that way. I'm a huge fan of like, oh, I'm, I'm a big guy, beefy marketing. I mean, come on. I love food. Love and so I have a lot of great oh, yeah. food accounts, like how to barbecue, right? There's the guy, it's called the stale cracker. He's the one that's like, that's money, dude. It's like this Cajun guy who puts everything on a cracker and his videos oh, okay. are cool. I'll have to check it's that so one funny. out. Yeah. It's so funny, funny. how the algorithm I just made so ribs the other day based on a TikTok video and they came out phenomenal. And I'll send a few videos to my fiance. And I'm just like, let's make this. It was just like yeah. marry me chicken. And then there are these fantastic ribs. First time ever trying to make spare ribs and they came out phenomenal. It took like five or six hours, but worth the way. It was worth like, it, right? Oh, yeah. Big barbecue fans. I love TikTok for that reason. Like today's Cinco de Mayo, obviously, the day we're recording. I've got plans to do like carne asada tonight. And there's this other guy I follow on TikTok who makes all these like really fancy Mexican inspired margaritas. But they're like crazy, like chamoy and, you know, tahine and all these other like ingredients that you're like, whoa, that's crazy. Grapefruit soda. And I'm like sending every single link to my girlfriend like let's make this yeah. let's make that let's make yeah, this yeah, like yeah. i'm not even i don't even drink that much but it all looks so good I'm, I'm totally down to do it so well fun fact about kenny your first job out of college was actually a marketing intern on the golf channel how was that that was interesting i think that was a big eye opener i i think i had previous experience in marketing and ad- advertising without even realizing it one of my first roommates in orlando was actually a club promoter so it was one of those scenarios where, you know, promoters, they buy the rights to the door. So they get all of the cover charge fees. They pay yep. like a small percentage to the owner. So we were doing things like we were like the annoying people at like the UCF parking lot slipping yeah. like little postcards like come to, you know, this place tonight. It's buy two, get one free or, yeah, you know, absolutely. contact awesome. such and such for bottle service or sticking the stakes in the yard on like busy roads, stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Didn't really even realize. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I guess this is kind of a different level of it, more local and more gorilla, I guess. But sure, the yeah. Golf Channel, I thought was really interesting. Obviously, it's a, a branch of NBC Sports. It's a huge company, bigger than most even agencies, if we're talking revenue wise, production wise. What I thought was really cool is when you're that big, you see every single task is broken down and their systems are really locked in. Yeah. And that's what makes you know, NBC Sports, how they operate the way they are. They're, it might not be you know, what we're looking for on smaller, mid-size like e-commerce advertising, but if you're playing with the big dogs, like they can check all those check marks off. But I just thought I, I learned so many things on like an enterprise level on how they were That's operating, awesome. what tasks were being divvied out, who focused on what. But there was also parts of that where I didn't like that, where, you know, how you how are you supposed to learn and grow when there's 12 people to do one task, but it's really dialed in. So you can't argue with that. But yeah, I, for like, sure, yeah. I, I really want to grow. I want to learn more. I want to learn how to build websites. I want to run the ads. I want to do the social media. I want to do email. But they have 50 people dedicated to writing the copy, coming up with headlines, plugging everything in, segmenting It's just not like that on a small business level, right? Not at all. But it was still really eye-opening. And it was one of those things where, uh, because I'm in Orlando, it's like getting Disney or something on your resume. It raises some eyebrows, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it looked better than uh, maybe even how much I even did there. They did trust me with a lot. I was one of the older interns and I had some experience. So, you know, I got to run like their YouTube channel. I got to help with the SEO aspects. I uh, did a lot of analytics and reporting 
And then, you know, my curiosity, I got to sit with a lot of people on a higher level, just kind of see how everything um, operated. So I think that was a great benefit. I really enjoyed my time there. It was just more, uh, I wanted to grow, I wanted to grow faster. And that's not what you would do at a very large company. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Were you, a, were you a golf fan already? Or were you a golfer at all? Or you know, were you just I like, just a time. I'm, I'm not good at golf. I'm good enough to play. And, sure. you know, to par a few holes every once in a while, I'll get a birdie. I consider myself like a bogey player now, but yeah, up exactly until like 10 or 12 years ago, I was, uh, when I lived in Jack's Beach, I, I worked at a country club at a golf course. I, oh, I come cool. to Orlando and after I worked at like a nightclub for a little bit, I got a, a job at Lake Nona Country Club, one of like the most prestigious golf courses and country clubs in the world almost. I also worked at Iowa and then I got the job at Golf Channel and I'm like, I don't even get it. Like, uh, I, How did you I even miss yeah, exactly the space? That's crazy. They, I guess I just had the look. They're like, we want you in the clubhouse. So I was just like, okay, yeah, yeah. sure. I'll take it. It was fun. It was a great experience. You see some crazy stuff. You meet a lot of famous athletes, a mix of people in that culture. I've definitely yeah. grown to love golf. Uh, it's just fun to go out there with friends. And once you get out there, you realize everybody sucks. So yeah, exactly. then you're less stressed about playing while you're like, oh, we're all losing balls. All right, cool. When the, Sounds good. Let's, like, let's have another beer. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, I had never played golf before. Like if you would have asked me a month ago, I'd have been like, I've never played around round of golf in my life. But we were actually um, asked to play in a golf tournament because somebody had sponsored a team, but there was not enough players. And so myself, one of my guys, John, Kara, and another firefighter locally here that we're friends with all went and did this golf tournament. And three out of four of us had never played before. Awesome. And we're playing a golf tournament, which is brilliant, right? Yeah. And so we finished dead last. Fortunately, it was like best ball and bogey your, bogey's your friend. So it was like, we had a great time. And I'll, I'll tell you this, like I totally got like the bug for it now. Like I'm not good at all at all, but it was like a good time. It felt nice to just like get out on the on the course, on a cart, have a beer or two, just unwind, relax. It's it's relatively low pressure if you're because you're not mm -hmm. competing necessarily with anyone except for yourself. So right. that's I don't know I like that a lot. So how yeah. would you say you got your start in the digital marketing space? I mean, obviously your your job at the Golf Channel I'm sure kind of started that, but but you know even your experience with the um, promotions I'm sure helped with that. So how did you really get started in the digital side? So yeah, I think that all helped with it. But yeah, when we're talking about digital marketing and uh, especially what I've been focusing on recently. So after the Golf Channel, like I said, you know, looks good on paper, gets uh, seen by more eyes, I guess. So I did get a small role with a smaller agency that was local where I started media buying. I could pick up on it pretty fast. I had uh, great people teaching me. And then I also really knew analytics well from being at the Golf Channel and uh, a little background from schooling. But Going into media buying, I kind of caught on quickly. I got that opportunity to work on these accounts. And I think that's uh, one of the biggest walls to break through, right? Is actually getting yeah. onto an account, spending some money, saying you can speak on that subject matter and, you know, yield those results for a client. So I had that great opportunity, but I started to excel pretty fast. So I was like, hey, can I, I want to learn like email as well. Can we do email? Got into there. Came like Clavio certified. I did really well with that. Then I was like, you know, what? I want to learn how to build funnels. And then I want to learn how to build stores. I want to learn how to work all of these automation tools. Definitely a piece of my own curiosity and just kind of pulling that thread. And as we all know, everything's on the internet. So if you look in the right places, you can learn anything you want. And luckily, I had the opportunity to work with clients that allowed me to pursue these goals, these tools, execute on them. Definitely have to lead with confidence on those when you haven't done it before. But I just had all those opportunities. And then uh, after the agency, you know, I'm just one of those people where I get a little restless. And I'm like, I think I can do this better myself. I don't really need a, a middleman here. So I went freelance for a little bit. And that went better than I thought. And then I was like, okay, I like it's either I work every single day constantly or I start building a team that makes more sense for longevity. So that's what I started to do. So we have like a small team, have contractors I work with. We're working on multiple agency deals where there's some white labeling going on. There's some uh, referrals going on. Just more and more opportunity, mixture of getting ourselves out there and then continuing our education because as you know, as your marketing agency owner, things are always changing. So just because you were good at Facebook ads three years ago, doesn't mean you're going to be good at like Facebook ads today by any yeah, means. Exactly. And then yeah. 
Then there's the question, are Facebook ads even as relevant anymore? Since everybody's spending their time on TikTok for entertainment, how great is TikTok anyway? So sure, I think yeah. you there's have to stay on top of it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get into that a little bit too. So when you started Great Media, did you know e-commerce was going to be the focus? Like, did you know that kind of opening it up or was it kind of where it just went? I had a lot of luck there between luck and then just continuing my education there. And that was where my interest is. You know, obviously in the works when the right opportunity comes across, I, I'd love to be running my own brands and, you know, our own products, whatever it might be. But right now we're just having a ton of luck selling services or products for all of these smaller to mid-sized e-commerce brands or even you know, doing lead generation. But it just kind of felt natural for me. It makes sense. And then ultimately, I just want to deliver great work. I'm not going to go and put myself out there for something that's not really in my wheelhouse. Like, we're not going to be custom coding a large website with uh, multiple features by any means, because that's a huge project. But running e-commerce stores, uh, we kind of have a knack for that. And it's just really, it's falling within our wheelhouse. We've seen a ton of success. We've had clients that have stuck with us for like five or six years. We've seen them grow from like 50K months to a million, million and a half months over you know the time that we've been working with them. So we also are sticking with what we know. <laughs> yeah, y'all. I mean, y'all have some impressive results on y'all's website. Where I've seen that obviously you guys have increased revenue for brands tremendously. What What would you say has been like the driving force of some of that success? I think ultimately, especially with our strategy, we keep things pretty simple and we allow it to get. We give it time, right? Because I think as more people become more savvy on the internet, they they're poking more holes to your product, your offer, your website. Nobody wants to be scammed. Nobody wants a bad experience. And you're also in competition with a lot of people. So we come up with a simple plan. We plan the work and we work that plan. That's like a big thing I do with my team. And it's just like, don't pivot, don't panic. Like, let's stay consistent with this and yield those results and then pivot when we need to. But, you know, if you're trying to get too granular in there every day, that's just going to stress you out. You're not going to get any real results from that. And outside of that, product testing, you know, figure out what people actually want to buy and then kind of keep reproducing, you know, derivatives, variants of that, staying up with those trends. We've had a, a ton of success with like apparel, fitness industry, supplements, lead generation, a little bit of everything. But, you know, those certain uh, verticals, like we've just, we can really just hit it 100%. Like yeah, oh, that's yeah. Awesome. just even in uh, one of our supplement clients in the last year, in midst of uh, all these tracking issues, not the best time, tons of competition. So yeah. I think they were doing like 20, 25K months. And, you know, we planned our, <laughs> we came up with our strategy. We kind of focused on that low hanging fruit. We focused on products that were going to be more unique outside of what anyone could get at the store. And over sure. time, now they're having consistent 150K months. And this is just like the beginning of the year. So we're pretty confident we'll start hitting 200K months. And, you know, it's just, it's really just compounding success over that, especially when you find something with recurring revenue, such as, uh, you know, supplements sure. or any type of consumable product. Yeah, yeah, right. They buy it every month, especially if you can deliver. If it's a great product, deliver great customer service, a great user experience on their end, make it as easy as possible. It's a no brainer. Yeah, that's great, man. I know you're, you know, kind of going back to TikTok, you know, I know you're really focused on targeting TikTok ads to improve e-commerce store sales, because I think that helps people kind of set themselves apart from the competition. And obviously, TikTok is helping businesses thrive. It was the most downloaded app in the world last year, right? What kind of tips do you have for businesses to best utilize it? Like, would you say we still need to dance on camera to get sales? Or what are what are the best ways that you can utilize TikTok for your business? No, I think don't dance unless that's your thing, unless yeah. it's relevant <laughs> or if that's your personality. But uh, I think it kind of alludes to what we discussed at the beginning with your icebreaker. There's so many different verticals. There's so many different channels and worlds. You know, there's plant talk, there's food talk, barbecue talk. There's all these different channels that are in there and it's actually all organic. And if I were a smaller business, that's where I would try that's where I would focus first. I mean, we are running tons of paid ads on TikTok as well. It's a huge brand awareness lever, but we also have to remember that people are savvy to how these things work. Once we see that it's an advertisement, we're a little less reluctant and you know, we're a little more like, okay, well, this is a paid advertisement. So someone's trying to put it in front of my face versus like an organic, an organic post or an organic TikTok. 
So I see great success with those people who are just kind of staying consistent. They're letting their personality shine. I think we all kind of feel the same way. Like we don't want to be on camera for the most part and everybody is insecure about it. Everybody hates their voice. But I feel like even the big creators, they probably have felt that way or maybe still do, but they're finding success just by repetition, staying at it, staying in their niche. So I, I would, I, we're a big omni-channel marketing agency. So it's like, we need to get your brand out there. So yeah, we want to be on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Google, TikTok. Some people are talking about Rumble. So it's really about creating all those touch points, right? Like old school yeah. marketing. How many touch points, how many little yeses can you get from your potential users or hopefully customers down the road? So yeah. I definitely would focus on the organic approach. Pepper in, you can even start with lower budgets, definitely to test the waters to see if your demographic is going to convert on whatever platform it might be, especially TikTok. But what we're seeing is TikTok gets great click-through rates, very cheap CPMs, meaning you can reach your targeted audience at a very low cost. So you know, basically your dollar is going to go a lot further right now on TikTok versus Facebook or Google. There's a lot more competition there right now. But yeah. the biggest thing to keep in mind is make TikToks, don't make ads. So don't create a template in Canva and start running that and expect to see results. Unless you are, you know, you might have an amazing product. And then I think when some companies hit a certain point, they can throw anything at the wall and it will just work because it's like, oh, that's such and such. Yeah, let's just go check them out. Like Gymshark's probably at that point. They can do things that are more adsy and people know the Gymshark name. They know what they're getting. They don't have to be as clever to capture your attention. Exactly. You asked a question or posed a question earlier that I've got written down here that I wanted to ask you, which was, you know, Facebook users are kind of sliding every day in terms of like what apps are getting the biggest usage and Facebook's going down like, you know, seemingly more and more every day. You know, to your to your point earlier, do you think Facebook ads are still relevant? What What, what do you think the answer to that is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Once you have your user journey down, once you have your, you know, a converting website or a converting funnel, you got your products dialed in, there's still people on there. I think we have to, you have to look at what people are doing on each platform. Like TikTok, it's very entertainment. Like I'm not really chatting with friends or, you know, sharing things inside the TikTok platform. But I am kind of like an outsider looking in, just kind of browsing everything. That might be different for the Gen Z and younger ages. They might be interacting more inside the app where it's like maybe a little more internally social. But I have multiple DMs and group chats within like Instagram where we share stuff. Uh, we, we talk about it or I'm following brands on there specifically. Whereas like I go on a TikTok, like, I almost don't follow as many channels as I would like to just because I want to get hit with random stuff. Just show me something that you yeah. think I might like, where it's just like almost like a random generator of content. And then I think Facebook, a lot of us are using it to maybe keep in touch with older friends since we're a little bit older, friends and family. It's not so much as posting. And I think most of us unfollow people who post too much or especially are posting their opinions too much. Yeah, but the people are still going on these platforms and then the audience networks that these uh, platforms are on, whether it be like Google or Facebook. So they have their reach going into blogs and all these other placements that you might not consider. Whereas like most people are just concerned about the news feed and that's where the bread and butter was. But for example, one of our fitness apparel brands, we've spent 30K this month only because we have sold so much in Q1 that the warehouse has been backed up for multiple weeks. So we had to pull wow. down and spend. So that's usually like a 60 to 100K a month client. And I think the floor for the return on ad spend, uh, based off of Facebook reporting, which is highly inaccurate and we're missing tons of sales, is a four and a half times return on ad spend, which is great even five years ago. Yeah, so we can confidently say it's probably better than that. But... I would, that's pretty much the prime example. Like, no, they're not dead. You could get great ads going. You can get a great click-through rate and CPM, but if they're not converting, then sometimes uh, it's very difficult for people to look internally back on the offer or the website, that user journey experience, if you will. And that's really, to me, way more relevant than getting a really great click-through rate. Like we can go viral, we can manipulate the numbers to get a ton of traffic. But when there's a disconnect or if there's something that somebody doesn't want, ultimately, we're worried about conversions. Yeah, that's, you know, that's something that I, I kind of noted here was that on your website, 
you say that what happens after potential customers click is super important. For those of our listeners out there who aren't as familiar, you know, what does happen after click? What does that mean? Right. So big thing when you start to launch your campaign, ideally your media buyer or, you know, whoever's in charge of this campaign or the client, you're going to go and review your ad. You're going to click through it, see what there's, you know, make sure there's no typos or anything on the platform. But it goes hand in hand because uh, let's say you have a ton of traffic going, people click over to your page and then they bounce right away, meaning like they saw it and then they left immediately. So you have a high bounce rate. Basically, Facebook, Google, they're all going to take this into account because their goal is to keep high quality content on their platforms and deliver high quality web pages. So what's that? That's telling the platforms that, hey, people don't like what they're showing them. They're not making any actions. They're not spending time on it. So that's kind of the first step really at that user journey or what happens after the click. So you might be sending them to your website's homepage, a product page, a sales funnel of sort. So that's why what you're pitching to them in your ad needs to be connected to what you're showing them on the next page. But, you know, the obvious answers are, you know, sometimes people just go and look at the price and then they're like, ah, that's too expensive. And then they leave. Then you might start A-B testing price if that's available for you for that product. Or maybe you're just not facing the right objections. Why, yeah, you're going to pay more for this product, but we're better than your the other option that you are were even considering because of X, Y, Z which you could do through email, you could do through blog, you could do on TikToks, you could do on multiple channels. But yeah, I'm firm believer user experience, user journey is going to be huge. And, you know, having a well-functioning website is going to play a huge part of that. What's the uh, big metric? Like three seconds, I think, for your page just to load and also people watching one of your videos, which is, you know, on your ads. Because, you know, as you're swiping, you're just, you have three seconds to get your message across and capture that attention. And once you get to that three seconds, consider that a small yes. So we're getting these little yeses. Then get them to the website. Hey, you're already interested in our pitch. We got you to the website. This is what it looks like. And that's when you, you might pop in a pop-up. Hey, here's 10% off your first offer. Are you interested? Pop in your email, pop in your phone number. We got another yes. So then we're kind of pulling them along like, you're interested, you're interested. I'm giving you a better offer. Come on in. And eventually you just face the right objection to where hopefully they eventually convert. Yeah, no, that's that's great, man. I think what I would insert here from a, you know, from another marketing agency perspective is this is why it's so important to have like good analytic tools in place, right? One of my favorites, and I think I've talked about it on a past episode, but kind of to bring it back up, it's one of my favorites is a product called Hotjar. You know, yep. Hotjar gives you a lot of incredible data that you might not otherwise have, even with something like Google Analytics or any of the analytics even that you're going to get from the different advertisement websites, whether it's Facebook or TikTok or whoever. And so I think what I love about Hotjar is that you really get to kind of chase that trace that user journey from where they clicked, where they moved their cursor, you know, not just a heat map, but actually like a recorded session to say like, oh, look, they landed on this page. And they they all kind of like stalled out at this part of the, the website. Oh, yeah. Is our messaging wrong? Is our pricing wrong? And that makes it so much easier to then do effective A-B testing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hotjar is the one that will also, um, you can place the code on like your funnel. You can see how far they scroll down, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, especially if you're doing like something with funnels that I feel like that's really important to see where are they dropping off? Because, uh, you know, a bounce rate just tells you that they're leaving, but Hotjar, like you're saying, is just going to tell you exactly where they're leaving. And it could be something as small as like the spacing in the text on the page where it's too difficult to read or it just looks malicious, where it's like, "Ah, I don't want anything to do with it. It's already too much. It's too much going on. I've seen one of the things I've seen kind of a lot in in that data is people clicking something that was not clickable, something that might have from a design perspective you know, user experience, it looked like it was something that should have been clickable and it wasn't. And people got frustrated and thought, well, if this doesn't go anywhere, and it might have not been something that was even intended to be clickable, but because the user anticipated it, it should have been, you lost them, right? So it might be as simple as a fix of either one, redesigning that element on the page to not appear to be a clickable element, or two, link it somewhere, link it to the offer, link it to the link it to some additional copy, whatever makes sense. But, but being able to see that, it'd be like if someone walked into your, your business, your restaurant, your store, and they immediately saw one part of your store and you saw everybody leave immediately afterwards, it's like, 
in a real life scenario, you'd probably go look at the store and be like, oh God, like I didn't realize there was like a ton of cobwebs right here, or I didn't realize that there was water on the floor, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. It's like in a real life brick and mortar, we'd see those things and we'd make quick actionable decisions. But so many businesses out there are just looking at Google Analytics and seeing, oh wow, our bounce rate's 90%. I wonder why. And then what, yeah. what I see people do all the time and it's so frustrating is like, oh, we need to redesign our site. We need to rewrite our copy. There's not enough content here. We need to add some pictures. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have no idea that that's the problem. You're just guessing. Put the data in place so that you can find out exactly what it is so that you only have to make those micro changes. Because what if everything else on the page was absolutely perfect except for one clickable element? You just wasted so much time, energy, and resources on, on a, such a small problem, right? Right. No, I, I think that's a, a great point. And that's kind of goes back to what I was saying at first, like keep it simple as possible. If you start moving in too many directions, you don't know what's going to work and you don't know where to focus. So, you know, you panicking and, you know, stressing and coming up like, all right, we got to, we got to redo the whole funnel. We got to add this video. I'm going to film it today. It's like, no, 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 just one, ch like could be just the top headline, improve the conversion rate or, you know, scannability just with the top headline. What's the first call to action? Just like you're saying, so yeah. I think that's a great point. Hotjar is great. I think we're seeing a good amount of success using Hyros or I think people are also using like Triple Whale. Adds another layer of data to show you the last click conversion. I'm working with another agency and they're coming up with an easily implemented server side tracking. So the, the big issue with you know, Facebook is the tracking, right? But it's basically limiting Facebook from tracking. But if you know how you know the internet works, the data is still out there. Everything that's okay. going through your internet channels can be scanned. It is still going through like AT&T can still see all of our browsing history. Within reason now, obviously there's more laws sure. and rules. Yeah. Basically the best version of tracking would be owning the server because that's where everything is located. That's pretty much or all the information is. So they're coming up with, uh, I think it's called like Sawtooth Arc. Basically it's going to talk back and forth to the pixel. All data will go to the server where everything's hosted, then shoot it back to the pixel where it can do a basically better matching. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, so that's It looks incredible. really interesting. We're testing it out with quite a few clients, but it seems great. I mean, Hyros is good for what it is, but this one seems even better, which I think that's a big issue a lot of people are dealing with recently, at least. Yeah, it's tracking. So I got a loaded question for you, a really loaded question, which is when a business at any size is starting with paid advertising, whether it's Facebook or, or TikTok or Pinterest for that matter, what kind of budget should they have in mind? You know, is there a specific number? Is there a percentage of revenue? Like, is there some math or formula that like, for example, and we'll talk about this offline too, but I actually... One of my clients is a clothing line and we don't do paid ads. That's not something our agency offers. Like obviously like somebody like you would be a great partner for us, but like, I don't even know where to begin telling them where they should start with a budget. Like if I were like, Hey, y'all should do paid advertising. Do I say, start with a hundred bucks, start with 500 bucks, start with a thousand bucks. Like, is there a rule of thumb of creating a budget for paid ads? Right. That is i uh, I'm sure as an agency owner, you get you know, like, how much should we spend? It's like, yeah. How much do you want to gamble? That's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So then you're going into testing, right? Like it's brand new. You're going into it. You're like, I need to get some answers, but I need to know when to cut it off. Generally, if you want like a formula that you can kind of go by, that would be a structure two to three X your goal CPA. So in general, what I see with most stores, if you get a 1.5 return on ad spend, you're pretty much break even if you account for ad spend and your cogs on your product. Because, you know, a one is pretty much I. I spent $25 to generate $25. Yeah. So then you start accounting for the COGS and spent, uh, you know, your other expenses, then you're kind of in the hole at that point. So 1.5 exactly. yeah, in right, general, yeah. yeah, you're about there. Some people are like 1.3, 1.5. It depends on what you're selling. And then you want to take an account for, you know, what do you sell? Like clothing. So you got like t-shirts for 25 bucks and people usually buy more than one item. You get them to that $50 free shipping or $100 free shipping. A lot of things to take into account where what would a normal person trust to click that same day and purchase? A $25 t-shirt, they can risk $25 on that if they like it enough and just kind of test it out. Like, let's see what the quality is like. Let's see how fast it gets here and everything. But on the ad side, back to that. Two to three X your goal CPA as you're testing an ad. So if your goal is $25, once it gets to 75, review your results. If you get nothing out of that, all of that, 
then it's time to cut it off. Then you're trying to get a little bit more granular. Uh, the biggest thing we are seeing success with testing, at least especially on paid ads, is going to be um, testing by eliminating variables, kind of what you alluded to earlier. Like, don't change too many things, but test everything in a controlled environment. So obviously, creative's king. So figure out which creative you want to work with. So come up with some solid, basic headline, primary copy that gets the job done and is polished. Then you might be testing 10 creatives. So target that same audience, 10 different ad sets or, you know, Basically, so the budget goes to each one of those 10 creatives individually. You don't want to group them all together where one might siphon off all the budget, then you get mixed results. So we'll figure out that creative. Then you might end up with two, three, uh, maybe just one clear winner. Then start testing 10 new headlines. Then you figure out which ones work from there. And then you can go to the primary copy, which is kind of like the hook and the angle, right? Because when you're scrolling, you really only see the top fold. And you're only going to click see more if you're more interested. So those are, that's primary real estate right there. So creative, headline, primary, break everything out, give them their own budget, test variables in sections. If you have too many things going on yet, you're competing with yourself within your own campaign. You're going to drive up your own costs. You're going to have some competition. You're not going to get it. Basically, it's like a bad data set where it's just like, well, technically this looks good, but we relaunched everything with what we thought was winning and now it's not doing well at all. Yeah. So that's something we're heavily focusing on this year because it's like, what can you control? You can, you can't track everything accurately, but we can control the ads that are running. We can add some UGMs on there, get a little bit more data, use Hyros to scan it a little bit better. And then it's like, what metrics do you look at? So your engagement metrics are going to be accurate on the platform because it's all happening in the platform. So your click-through rates are going to be accurate. Your CPM, your CPC, basically the cost to get the traffic because paid ads, it's a traffic game. You're just trying to get more people to your store, browse, hopefully convert, and you get your conversion rate, which leads to conversion rate. So with an apparel store, you want to be in that 3 to 5% range. But we were just talking to somebody, we're doing uh, electronic bikes with them. That's a $2,000 price point. Uh, a three to five percent conversion rate would be crazy. So they're yeah. more below one percent, but that's more normal because a two thousand dollar purchase—that's not—that's something people are probably going to research a little bit. They're going to like, yeah. let me see what else is out there. Maybe I'll get hit with a discount. So that user journey is going to be longer. The CPA is going to be much more expensive. The conversion rate is going to be lower. Your AOV yeah. is astronomical. So. You know, you get For a $250 sure. CPA, you're still, you got a 13x uh, return on ad spend there. Yeah, there's there's so much to it. I mean, I don't think most people know just how much work goes into creating a successful advertising campaign. And from a, from from always testing to, you know, dialing in creative and always be adapting creative, like there's a lot that goes into that. It's why mm -hmm. our agency doesn't offer that as a service just yet. Like we just oh, yeah. know that. You don't want to take that on. <laughs> no, like we don't, we, don't, we don't have the bandwidth for it. Like... So speaking of that, like, I think there's a good time to kind of move into a question that I think a lot of businesses probably have, which is everyone nowadays seems to be like a Facebook ads expert. Like you had these wave of click funnels gurus who started teaching other people how to be Facebook ads people. It's like, take my $5,000 course. I'm gonna teach you how to make millions of being by selling Facebook ads. And it's like, okay, well now, now we don't know who to trust, right? I think you probably have experienced this issue as an agency owner, but what advice would you have for businesses listening to the podcast that are thinking about doing paid ads for their business and they don't know where to start? Like what advice do you have for them? What should they be looking for? What should they be like aware of and cautious of? Like how will they know that they're working with someone, you know, that's going to actually help them in a, in an honest way? Yeah, that's really difficult, especially on the internet. And you have a lot of these snake oil salesmen, con artists who uh, they know enough to get your attention and can maybe pitch you on it, but they're good at their wordsmiths, right? They can dance around and kind of just kind of convince you. If they're willing to jump on a phone call with you, if they want to do, if they're willing to do like a screen share, uh, you know, it's one of those proof is in the pudding things like yeah. show me some wins and show me some losses and, you know, break it down for me and what you're seeing. Then you kind of know, like, are you an actually like the person who's gone through all of this and you're staying up to date on everything? Or yeah. are, did you just do it Had some short term success, which uh, when I started, we did uh, a lot of keto stuff and, you know, People, keto was hot. You could sell any, you could sell keto PDFs. <laughs> yeah. I think another red flag for people out there, you know, as, you know, as an agency owner myself would be 
if people can't show you the bad as well, then they're probably not being fully honest, right? Like, yeah, you and I can both admit that we have not hit every single campaign out of the park and we've lost clients probably. We've, we've had churn. That's okay. It's a part of the business that we're in. Marketing agencies are abundant. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a pretty competitive landscape. But at the same time, I think that the people that are, in my opinion, the best people to work with are the people that have transparency around like, hey, yeah, like I'm not always going to kill it. Like I'm not always going to win. I'm not for everybody. Right. Or I'm sure you guys are the same way. Um, you know, I have leeway with some clients, like especially right off the bat. It's like, you know, I'm concerned about X, Y, Z with your brand and your business, but I like talking to you. I want to work with you, but, you know, we could spend X amount and you might break even. You might even perform lower than that. So within reason, you know, we'll take, a, you know, down payments, whatever installments. But if we notice something within that first week or two, like we're going to bring attention to the client and just like, do you want to proceed? We can prorate this so it's not as uh, big of a burden. So I notice when people are more willing to work with you and being transparent, kind of like you're saying, like, show me your losses, then you know they're not out to get you and they're not just out there to get the money. They're genuinely trying to help you, which is what we are. Like, I don't want to work with somebody and just take your money. Like, I want it to work for you and I want it because it's only in my best interest if it works great for you and for me. So it doesn't make any sense. And then there's people out there where, no, you bought my course. There's no refunds. You got to eat that $2,000. But no, people, you know, you reach out and, you know, they're like, if you really don't find any value, like just reach out to me, explain your situation. We'll get you a refund or whatever it might be. We're going to work with you because, uh, again, your success is our success. And uh, not only there's reputation, but, you know, some people just have morals and they just want to actually see other people do well. Uh, and some people just want to create a sale. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's another thing for me. If, if you go to an agency and they just say yes to every single thing you ask about every single thing that you want, then again, there might not be full transparency there. I can't count how many times I've told someone, Hey, SEO is not a good fit for you. Paid advertising sounds like what you're looking for. Or somebody comes to me wanting to spend a lot on paid advertising and me saying like, Hey, I don't think paid advertising is the right fit for you. I think SEO is the longer play. And I think that that's where you're going to be more competitive in the long run, right? Like I would much rather have a customer see results and like reduce churn in the long run than just sell it to them with the, you know, idea that like, I'm going to get a quick paycheck. So it's like, it's not worth it because they're going to talk bad about me. They're going to leave a bad review. I'm not going to get that referral. Like just not worth it. Right. I was actually just listening to your guys show about saying no more often, actually. And I was just like, I can totally relate. Like, and what you're saying, like, you don't want somebody who's going to say yes to everything just because you're willing to pay. You want somebody to like say, yeah, I can deliver on this a thousand percent and I'm going to crush it. Not just like, all right, let me scramble and just kind of figure this out. But, and it just creates a better relationship with your clients or, you know, whatever brand that you're working with as well. It's just, again, it needs to be a win-win situation or else everybody loses basically. Yeah. A hundred percent. When... When a business is creating a marketing budget, because like we talk a lot about planning on this podcast, creating plans, creating a marketing budget, creating a marketing goals, that kind of thing. When creating marketing budgets, what service or services do you feel like deserves the most attention when you're looking at the grand scheme of like an entire marketing budget? For anybody, especially when they're starting out or even if they've been running for a while and they found some success, which is the case, sometimes before, like you were saying just a second ago, we don't want to run ads for you until back ads dialed in because it all works together. So that's, again, like omni-channel, having your back end dialed in, the user journey dialed in. So I want to make sure the website functions properly. Uh, all the P's and Q's are there. We want to make sure you have email set up or some type of data collection where we're going to be able to not get their data, but like we're going to own that audience and we can speak directly to you because email and SMS were a huge driving factor for us in Q4 when the ad space is very expensive uh, and then tracking issues really kicked in. So remarketing used to be, you know, very easy. Now it's like, ah, we don't really, we can't talk directly to them because like 60% of users are opted out. So before we even get into paid ads, we're going to make sure everything's dialed in on the back end because if I get somebody to click and they join your email list and then the campaign goes out on Friday and then they purchase, you know, four days later, in some cases it'll still get attributed to your ad, but it's like a big picture thing right there. And then, yeah, for budget, I mean, at least $3,000 a month. You're smaller. You want to test the waters. Dedicate the $150 a day. Try and find small wins and gradually scale. 
Uh, ideally, we're trying to spend like five to 10 if you're just starting out. And one thing we also want to make sure is like, are you okay if you get nothing out of this five or 10K? Because I'm, yeah. I'm helping you bring it to the market and test it uh, with the best practices and the best way that we know how. But that doesn't mean it's going to convert or it's not you, guaranteed. you have yeah. something. Yeah. So, but sometimes you just don't have something that somebody wants or there's a competitor who's, you know, undercutting your prices, uh, maybe not intentionally, but that's just what they're able to do. What's whatever yeah. yeah. So definitely big picture, especially before we start running paid traffic or else you, you know, I've seen it where people had paid ads running to like a dead page and they're just like, I don't know why we're not getting any leads. It's like your Calendly link doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's a problem right here, buddy. Yeah, it just goes to show how important analytics user experience are. So question for the for the TikTok naysayers. It's a new platform, right? It's just like any social platform and it first comes out, everyone's like, eh, TikTok, I'm never going to do that. For the TikTok naysayers out there, what is your word of advice for those folks? You go back to old school paid ads. Like, Don't start going for conversions and purchases right away. Go for engagement. Well, firstly, obviously, obviously focus on the organic approach. That should be a factor in it. That will only help as people kind of do their own research. But start going for engagement metrics or video views or just like a traffic campaign. You know, back in the day, you had to season your pixel before it was really optimizing and working in your favor. So, you know, look for the little wins first. And uh, I would view it more as like a brand awareness audience building tool. Because once you get them to click, again, they get in the website, you're collecting an email, you're getting them pixeled on Google and Facebook, whatever, any other channel that you might be using. So whatever channel you're going into, and uh, TikTok in this case, you're you're going for awareness and you're going for all these little yeses, you're going for engagement, basically getting your name out there. And like we said earlier, it is one of the cheapest traffic sources. It's one of the top apps right now. So it's a no-brainer. So start slow. It doesn't mean you gotta spend $150 a day on TikTok. You could do, I think like the minimum's like 50 bucks. But I think it's worth your time and you can just start slowly. Like, again, don't stress yourself out. Like, start with one different TikTok ad every week. Just see how the performance does. Let's see what kind of comments you're getting, what type of engagement you're getting. It's okay to start slow and just test the waters. But uh, you might be playing yourself if you don't get yourself on every one of these platforms. Because everybody's using Google. Everybody's using Facebook, Instagram. Everybody's using TikTok. If your demographic's there, we've seen success in Pinterest because that's another search engine. So people are typing in search queries and you can pop up for that as well. So I wouldn't rule it out. Don't overwhelm yourself either. But whatever platform, know what your objective is and then also go with the right content. So in TikTok, you make TikToks. Facebook, you can get away with more corporate-y, clean-looking ads in some cases. Instagram, uh, you know, it's the influencer haven. So you got to find a nice mix there that speaks to people. You know, we've seen memes do really well on there with the right brand. But you know, just know what you're going into. Know what your goal is going into that. What kind of results do you want to get? Back in the day, you know this, like five years ago even, you could throw almost any ad up on Facebook and you're generating like a 2x return on ad spend if everything's polished enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It didn't take as much so I like to wrap up every episode with a business growth hack. And honestly, I think our conversation today has come quite a few of them that are kind of throughout there that I think people will take away. But I, I think one last question that I have for you that I think might leave people with a growth hack in their own businesses would be, what are a few things business owners can do to see maybe an uptick in their online sales with a very limited marketing budget? Yeah, we're going to probably be a little redundant here, but I'm going to say, you know, get the back end dialed in. You hear it all the time. We want to run ads. We want to generate sales right away. It doesn't work like that. People are smarter. They know how the internet works. They know there's competition. They're doing research. Demographics are just changing and how people understand how everything works. So having a dialed in automated uh, email SMS system is going to be great. If people have questions, make sure you're answering on all of those channels. They, you're building little bits of loyalty and trust. And then once somebody, uh, well, I forget how the saying goes, but nobody can, you know, sell your product or service better than like word of mouth, like a referral, basically. So if you build a great experience and deliver on that and, you know, you speak to them because we've seen plenty of drop shippers who just set up a shop. You know, people are complaining in the comments or in the DMs on Instagram and they never get a response, then that's just going to other people are going to, oh, don't buy from them. They they don't care about you. It's going to take forever to get a refund. And then that's going to kind of trickle down. 
But on the other side of it, we've we uh, run ads sometimes that last you know six months, nine months, even longer because the engagement on those ads are so good. It's like, oh, we love these uh, products, we love these supplements, they work so well. And then as we're letting those ads optimize, it's like a self-perpetuating system where it's just like the comments and people tagging each other in it. That's actually what's generating the sales versus any of the dollars we're spending to get it out there. So. That was a lot. That was a mouthful, but get the back end dialed in. Make sure you have your systems in place to address any issues because you are running a brand and a business now. And we need to respect that people are spending money on your product or your service. So you need to deliver on your end as well, or you're just going to sink. Absolutely, man. Kenny, well said. I think there's so much here for our, our listeners to take away about user experience, about systems. I think there's a lot to be said about having that stuff in place. It's like, that's the, the thing that I hate the most when I ask a business owner, like, how much traffic do you get? You know, what's your bounce rate? And they're like, I have no idea. And then I log into those websites for the very first time and Google Analytics has never been installed. And it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, this is the most important thing ever. So like, if there's any takeaway here, make sure that some of the, even just those basic first lines of defense are put in place and then start looking at your, your, your user experience, dial that stuff in. Kenny, man, I, I appreciate everything you've brought to the table today. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can support you, what you've got going on, and uh, how we can follow you? Yeah, if anybody wants to check me out, obviously we're on social media, all of them. And then uh, if you want to book a call or anything, have a conversation, see what uh, working together might look like, you can go to greatmedia.com, G-R-A-Y-T media. It is a pun on my name. I've realized uh, some people are like, is it great T or great grat or yeah. But greatmedia.com, big red button. You can schedule a call. In some cases, there's even people, we just do a quick 30-minute consultation, and it does wonders for them, which, again, it's rewarding. Not a big deal for me. Uh, And to see their success, it's also rewarding in its own way. I'm sure you guys do the same thing. So it's never an issue. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kenny. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.